Hey, this is Jonathan, and this is Q&A podcast number 11, and we've got some, some, some deep ones and some important questions I'll try to address here. But first of all, I have to mention something. Over the, it's been about six years now that I've had this website and that I've been doing all of this experimentation and uh, writing about performance enhancement strategies. And during this time, I've worked with a lot of private clients. I've probably worked with, oh, you know, it's probably been probably been under 50, but more than two dozen. I don't exactly know what the number is off the top of my head, but I've worked with uh, and a not insignificant number of a private coaching clients and what I'd like to do is something that I think I'm gonna call skin in the game coaching and this is gonna be a program and it's gonna be for lack of a better lack of a better phrase life coaching which is one of those those words one of those phrases that's kind of been dragged through the mud by all sorts of internet marketers. What I'd like to do though, is I'd like to offer an arrangement that's going to be a very, that's gonna be a very, uh, a very lean form of life coaching. It's gonna consist of two telephone calls and it's going to be about 90 minutes total. How this would work is we'll, we'll get on the phone and we'll chat for about about 60 minutes, maybe less than 60 minutes. If we can if we can cut it down to 45 minutes, that's even better. We'll talk about kind of what your biohacking goals, challenges are in the short term, um, wh- whatever your unique issues are, whatever your unique history is, and I'm gonna make some recommendations to you based upon my six years of self experimentation with over, oh boy, it's probably over a hundred different nootropic smart drugs and different technologies. I'm gonna make some recommendations for you and then we're going to commit to another telephone call, which is going to be about 60 days after that. Maybe 30 days, maybe 90 days, depending upon what your unique goal is. But it'll be probably be on average about 60 days after that. We'll get on the phone together and see how you're doing and you will have an obligation to have completed a certain goal in 60 days after that. You'll have an obligation to me. And so that'll, you know, that ensures that you have skin in the game in this coaching. And then you'd also expect that I would have skin in the game, right? And so the way this would work is that there'd be a uh, money-back guarantee attached to this life coaching plan, and it would be a 60-day money-back guarantee. So if the if the advice that I gave to you, if the uh, if the biohacking strategy that I outlined for you really didn't work out for you, really didn't help you to accomplish whatever your goals were and advance, get ahead, then you could ask me for your money back and I would I would give it right back to you. And so that way I would have skin in the game. And 
because we both have skin in the game in this particular life coaching arrangement, I'm not going to work with just anyone. I'm not going to accept just anyone's money for this because, hey, if I can't really help you, then I don't really want to waste our time uh, talking to each other and formulating a uh, formulating a, a plan, a strategy to go ahead because, you know, hey, it might end up that you would ask your money back if it's not if it's not really effective. So I'm not going to work with everyone. If this if this arrangement, the skin in the game arrangement, is appealing to you, I'll encourage you to fill out a form that's on my website that asks you a number of different questions, kind of about yourself and about your mindset and about where you're at in life, and that will help me to determine if we might be a good fit. So go. Check that out, please. Okay, let's get started with the questions that we received. The first was from a lady whose name is Lindat. Not Linda, but Lindat. And she sent me a message on Facebook, and she said, I love your videos, and I want to get pharma-grade nootropics. I'm 48 female, addicted to opioids. She mentions... Suboxone and uh, benzos. I went to detox. I went 45 days using Kratom, but failed because I didn't know that I had to wean off Kratom. I was taking massive doses by that time to cope with Suboxone withdrawals. Have you come up with any certain cocktail to help with opioid withdrawal? Uh, if so, please, uh, I trust your advice. I don't know where to start. I'm thinking about going to Mexico for ibogaine. It's expensive, but still a possible option. I appreciate it. And so there's luckily there's there's some options in this situation. I'm I'm happy to hear it sounds like you're mentioning suboxone and benzodiazepines along with Crotum. I, I, I'm glad. I, I guess you know if we're looking on the positive side of things, it's better to be addicted to those kind of opioids than it is to be someone who's just going crazy with oxycotton and heroin, right? So I, I think there's I think there's hope that you can taper off of these things and be free of opioids. So there was a video that I did on two nootropics that are that are lesser known amongst the Kratom community, which are memantine and solanc. And memantine, what it does is it resensitizes the some of the receptors that the opioids block that the opioids link up with that can over time be desensitized because you're giving yourself way too many opioids, right? And then there's Solanc. And in my opinion, I think Solanc is probably the lower risk, the, the lower risk option of these two. But if I was an opioid addict and I was really trying to get over this, I would pick up both of those and I would do some I would do some experimentation with both of those and then what you want to do is it's 
inadvisable to try to go cold turkey off of the opioids. That'll, that, that's going to result often in really arduous withdrawals. So, some people even have a health, really dire, uh, risky health conditions that occur when they go cold turkey. So what you want to do is you want to employ a tapering strategy. And I, I, and crotum is uh, crotum is a healthier opioid. It's 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 debatable whether you can say that crotum itself is is healthy or whether crotum itself is is categorically a good thing to be putting in your body. But it's certainly an improvement over uh, using suboxone and the benzodiazepines on a daily basis or abusing abusing those opioids so what i what i would recommend is yeah try switching over to the crotum and then over and use memantine and use selenc concurrently with the crotum and you're going to want to do a little bit of what people call a B experimentation so a is one option B is the second option and you want to kind of compare these two things so you don't necessarily in the beginning want to just start by combining crotum memantine and selenc what you would want to do is you'd want to start by using by using crotum on its own say like okay today I'm not gonna do any suboxone or benzos and just use just use the crotum and just see how you feel. Probably probably not all that great because crotum is uh, because crotum is a relatively weak opioid compared to the other thing. And then what you would want to do is you'd want to use some memantine along with the crotum. And you'll probably find like a lot of people that memantine at least initially when you first start using it that memantine can be really great and that it really uh, resensitizes your neurotransmitters to the opioids you know be like wow i feel i feel pretty normal or i feel like i feel like i used to feel and so what you so what you'll want to do is you'll want to start tapering your crotum usage when you start with the memantine and then what'll happen is you, you would as you develop a tolerance to crotum you're going to develop a little bit of a tolerance to the memantine also. And there's people that will increase their dosage of memantine. And I will advise you, you just don't want to let your memantine get dosage get over three of those little capsules a day. That's, that's the, the high end of the memantine dosage and ideally you want to use like one or two of those little capsules daily and what I'd encourage you to do is again start start tapering as soon as possible with the crotum and you'll find that selenc can be real helpful to alleviate the withdrawal symptoms so so use use the selenc in there so and selenc is of everything that we're talking about here, Selenc is probably actually the safest nootropic. So if if there's one thing that you're going to pick up, I'd, I'd recommend the Selenc. 
And then I'll also mention, again, you're gonna to wanna to check out the video and the corresponding article that I did about withstanding crotum withdrawal, because in that I linked to some things that were written by the, I believe he's the proprietor of Nootropics Depot. He's a, on Reddit, his name is Mr. You Are So Dumb, <laughs> which is kind of a silly name, but he's actually a tremendous source of knowledge about pharmacology and how these different nootropics work. And there was a post that he did where he was talking about his own struggle with crotum addiction. And what he did basically was he, he was addicted to crotum and then he used some Solanc and then he also used another drug which is called Tianeptine. And Tianeptine is an antidepressant and it's an opioid antidepressant, but it's a relatively weak antidepressant. It's not, it's not that strong. And I don't know if I'd recommend Tianeptine to you because you know, you're already having problems with opioids. I'm not sure if I'm not sure if you should be taking another one, but you might want to read what Mr. You Are So Dumb had to say because what he did was he he had his crotum dosage kind of get out of control. He was using way too much crotum, like I think like 40 like 30, 40 grams a day, something like that. He was he was there in that dosage range and what he did was he managed to wean it down to like a couple of grams daily of crotum, and then he was, and then he was just fine. And you also mentioned doing ibogaine in Mexico, and that that is an option. I hear all of the, you hear all these different stories of people that have like a really serious opioid drug addiction, and they go and do ibogaine. They do that. They suffer through however long it is, 24 hours or however long the Ibogaine trip lasts. And I hear, I hear that it's like real torture, that it really is one of the worst experiences that you have in your life, but that it really does, it really does transform your mind. And for a lot of people, it really gets them completely over their opioid addiction. So that, that might be something to do, but I did an ayahuasca trip about three years ago, and there's a lot of people that are drug addicts, and they go and do ayahuasca, and ayahuasca gets them over their addiction. It doesn't seem to be quite uh, quite as sure a thing as ibogaine. The uh, the ibogaine stories you hear, it seems to have a uh, it seems to have a, a quite encouraging recidivism rate attached to ibogaine whereas ayahuasca is kind of like it, it's something where sometimes it helps people sometimes it doesn't help people sometimes they need to come back and do multiple ayahuasca trips to get over their addiction so you kind of want to think about your own your own situation if you're a person where you feel like you feel like your life is at risk you feel like you may be uh you may have an overdose next week and die, then get your ass to Mexico and go and do the Ibogaine because your life is worth it. But if it's something where you feel like you're kind of at a lower, where you feel like you're, you are an abuser, but you're like a relatively low risk abuser of opioids, then I think that 
you can if you're willing to endure a bit of uncomfortableness i think that you can use the crotum in combination with the memantine and the slank and you can kick this very bad habit okay let's move on to the next question and this came from a guy named Liam and he said, hello, Jonathan, I suffer from lack of focus and I work in a vape shop that gets at most 10 customers within an eight hour period. I really want to get the store running efficiently. So I'm looking at nootropics as a focus and memory aid, but I am not 100% sure what to get. I have tried Phenibut, Paracetam, Phenylparacetam, Nupept, modafinil and adrafinil, but I haven't taken them long enough and documented their effects before and after to really determine the pros and cons. Do you have any suggestions for stacks and what vendors do you order from? So first of all, it's interesting that you mentioned that you work at a vape shop and I'm wondering if you vape, bro, because vaping consuming nicotine, that can be a pretty powerful enabler of, of of at least focus. It's it's dubious the benefit that nicotine has to memory, but it certainly helps with focus. So, so I wonder if you do any vaping or if you're one of those people that's like, hey, vaping is kind of in the gray zone as far as as far as uh, indulgences go as far as as far as habits go so I'm trying to just use things that I know are definitely a hundred percent healthy and you mentioned here you mentioned paracetam and phenylparacetam those two seem to be pretty for sure things for when people are looking for promoters of focus and memory paracetam and phenylparacetam Typically, you need to use them, especially paracetam, you need to use for in between 10 to 14 days to get a beneficial effect out of it. There's, there's a cumulative effect that you get with paracetam that really starts to become evident after you've used it for at least 10 to 14 days. So what I would say is if you've already invested in picking up some paracetam and especially phenylparacetam, which is not cheap, use that stuff for a little bit longer. Give it at least two weeks and see how that is affecting your level of focus and your uh, recall of long-term memory. And I, I think you'll find that that is actually quite, quite effective. There's a protocol that I put together called the paracetam protocol that adds a couple of cofactors to paracetam that really kind of take it to the next level and also ensure that you don't run into a tolerance curve with it. So you'll want to check that out and I'll have that linked where I have this podcast on my website. Another guy asks, how come no company I found uses any racetam, sidrafinil, or theocrine in any of their preformed stacks. I want a stack that has tons of kick, if not just passing placebo effect. Uh, I think he's saying that he wants something that's going to be greater than just the placebo effect. So the 
FDA in the United States has made it a little bit of, I'm not going to say uh, illegal, but they've pushed it kind of into dubious legal territory using racetams in stack products. They, they sent, the, the FDA attorneys sent at least one letter that I'm aware of that said that you can't use racetams as an ingredient as a additive agent in nutritional supplements and if you you have to understand if you're a supplement company the FDA is kind of like judge jury and executioner at any random moment in your business so it's kind of a it's kind of a risk mitigation thing and what that means is that if you want to use the racetams, then you need to, almost always you need to get them for yourself and you need to combine and make your own stack. And I think that's actually probably a pretty good idea for a lot of people. You also mentioned a draphanil. And a draphanil, I'll encourage you to check out my other videos on it. It's really a crappy smart drug. It's a old version of modafinil. It was kind of like the the beta version of modafinil before they, it was like a step in the development of modafinil. And it really doesn't work that well to make you more focused and alert. It has an incredible tolerance curve to it and it causes long-term problems with your liver. So I would say, Try to use modafinil instead. There's really no good reason that I can think of to use adrafinil, and I I don't know why companies sell it anymore. But I would I would direct you away from adrafinil. And I would say if you're looking for a stack that has a ton of kick to it and is going to outperform the placebo, you're going to want to check out the paracetam protocol. That's a combination of paracetam with a couple of other things. The paracetam is such a, it really is a kick-ass nootropic smart drug that affects a lot of different neurotransmitters. And what that means is that you need some other nutrients being fed to your mind that are kind of balancing things out and making sure that the performance enhancing effect that it imbues is a long-term thing that doesn't have you know negative consequences for you so check out the paracetam protocol next question someone said hey jonathan i used to take adhd meds like concerta but i got joint pain from them does modafinil have the same effects i bought some in the black market for like 10 times the original price. I, I wonder how much that is, I'm curious. He picked up uh, 200 milligrams of modafinil. Also, how can I know if my meds are original? I'm afraid I'm being scammed because the pills themselves don't have anything written on their surface, which is kinda odd because I never remember a drug like that. For example, Concerta has Alza 36 written on the pill. These modafinil pills are plain white. Do you develop a tolerance? And if so, what do you suggest? And can you combine it with aniracetam? Okay, there's a couple of questions in there. I don't anticipate that you'll have joint pain from modafinil the same way that you did from Concerta. Concerta 
I don't know a ton about Concerta. I've never used it myself, but I know that modafinil has a very unique mechanism of action. And I know that modafinil's mechanism of action, of action is distinct from the popular ADHD meds. There was, I think it was a French study, it was a French meta-analysis where they specifically highlight in the meta-analysis that modafinil is a different mechanism than the ADHD meds that were so prolific throughout like the throughout like the the 90s especially during that that weird pharmacological era where they were like everybody has ADHD you got ADHD you got ADHD we all got ADHD let's just all drown in uh, medication for our ADHD. Modafinil is pretty different from that, so it shouldn't it shouldn't do the joint pain, but certainly if something is causing you joint pain, then uh, cease using it immediately because that's, uh, that's, there's so many different options for dealing with ADHD that if something causes you pain, then there's, uh, you know, that should be something that you throw right in the trash and you don't I, I don't know why you would have to get modafinil from the black market especially at 10 times the uh, at 10 times its price modafinil you can purchase a bunch of different places online from uh, websites like Afinil Express ships to a bunch of different countries companies and then there's a company in Russia called Ru Pharma like RU Pharma and you know they are clever clever Russians and they have figured out how to get their packages of modafinil into all sorts of com- countries so you can almost guaranteed get a better price from either of those sources than you can from uh I'm imagining a, a dodgy fellow in a back alley somewhere that you're paying 10x to. Don't do that anymore, okay? Next question you asked. You said, how do I know if my meds are original? If you're purchasing from one of the vendors that I mentioned, Affinil Express or Rufarma, their, their, stuff is, their stuff is original, their stuff is legitimate. If you're purchasing from some guy in a back alley or, you know, some kid at a, at a party or some person at a bar, yeah, who the hell knows if it's real or not. With the ProVigil version of modafinil, that version of modafinil, it does have the name of the drug written on it. Other versions of modafinil like Art Vigil, Modalert, those versions of modafinil, they are just little white pills that don't have any distinctive markings on them. However, the packaging itself, on the back of the packaging itself, it says Art Vigil, Modalert, uh, Armadrafinil, etc., those kind of things. So I would just look for the packaging. If the packaging doesn't clearly say the name on it, then I wouldn't spend my money on it. You mentioned finally tolerance here. Tolerance is an issue with modafinil or with any of the variations within this pharmacological family. That's why I don't suggest that people use it more than a couple times a week. Personally, I probably use modafinil about 
maybe two, three times a week, not any more than that because the tolerance curve just does creep up on you and it's not exactly a cheap, smart drug. So if you're using it more than two or three times a week, you're, you're kind of wasting your money. That's why I think aniracetam, which you mentioned here, I think that's a pretty great idea. Okay, let's move on to the final question. And this was a comment that a, I assume it's a gentleman, posted on my article, which was 20 Notorious Problems of Smart People. And this comment is really long, so I'm going to have to do a bit of summarizing here. He said, Jonathan, you seem to fall for stereotypes and literal accuracy for numerical values. Being intelligent allows you to guess numbers that are round off numbers close to accuracy plus minus and allows people to do well without having to use a calculator when it comes to mental chart software development. Any decently intelligent person is able with a little bit of learning to code to make such software of any type or another depends on the purpose of use. I myself have far more advanced ideas of how to wire intelligence of information and knowledge in a way any level of intelligence can comprehend. Advancing memory is not enough to be smart. Just because psychopaths are smart does not mean that all or most smart people are psychopaths. Yes, I agree with that. Um, okay, being an atheist does not make you a genius, just a devilish ideology that have driven drug and alcoholism forward into common acceptance. You can't think yourself out of your emotions. Okay, I'm, I have to start responding to the points of this, this comment as I'm, as I'm reading it because there's so much wrong here. Okay, first of all, so this, I, I've written a couple of articles about intelligence that have attracted comments that are, to use perhaps an overused phrase, in 2018, it's attracted comments that are autistic. And here's what this means. I'm really not trying to insult anyone by saying that this is an autistic comment, but you, you need to practice a little bit of empathy. And if you have a comment that you write on someone's blog or YouTube, or you even do a, a response to someone's video, and it's extremely long and contains a bunch of different, a bunch of different interesting intellectual arguments, but it's extremely long, you're asking for a lot of people's attention to what you have to think. And what you want to do is you want to think a little bit about how this person, you, you want to think a little bit about kind of the emotional responsibility that you're asking this person to think, to comprehend this big long comment that you're, that you're adding here. And especially if you're putting out a comment to a person who's a total stranger. And if you're dealing with a total stranger that's out there on the internet, what you want to do is you want to make things a little bit easier on them. And so what I would have done here, if you're disagreeing with some of the points that I made in that article, 20 Notorious Problems with Smart People, 
what you want to do is you want to start by asking a simple question. You want to you want to make maybe a single objection to one of the points that I made and then say, "Hey, I think that maybe you're wrong about this thing." And here's why here's why I think this. Here's an anecdote, here's a piece of data, here's a citation maybe. What do you think? Or you can do what you'll see a lot of people do, which is they'll say something like, hey, great piece of research, interesting article. Thanks thanks for putting this together, Jonathan. Thanks for putting this out here. I came across, I have some data or I have some anecdote that disagrees with your conclusion. Here it is. What, what do you guys think? And what that is, that's a much easier way to kind of make your case to someone and when you when you write an, a, a rambling comment that has 25 different thoughts in it and has very poor English grammar it's it's just mm, you're, you're kind of like a person who's asking a girl out on a date and what you're doing is as opposed to just very casually saying hey do you want to get a drink together sometime maybe as opposed to doing that, you're like going and telling her your entire life story and then making a marriage proposal before you even know her first name. You're just putting way too much on someone else to deal with. So um, it looks like you make some interesting. It looks like you make some interesting points in this article, but you just could have done a whole lot better job of this. And I'll just encourage you, please. Just correct the grammar. Correct the grammar on this comment and resubmit it to my website and I'd be interested in a continued conversation with you. But with this many spelling and grammar errors, there's there's a lot that can be that can be improved upon here. Perhaps whoever left this comment is not using their first language. Perhaps they're not a native English speaker. And this is a, a this this comment has tremendous vocabulary and big ideas in it. So whoever wrote it obviously has an uh, incredible amount of knowledge that they're trying to share here. But the the, the grammar just needs to be taken uh, a second look at because it's it's just it's just a major chore for me to understand what's being said here. I'd love for whoever wrote this to you know to, to take a second look at this comment and compile their thoughts and put this together in, in an article because there's there's some big ideas here that I think that I think people would like to learn about but they're just they're just indecipherable at this point. Anyways, I'm Jonathan with Limitless Mindset and as always I look forward to a continued conversation with you. Legal notices. If you or someone you know developed or created a concept, piece of content, or idea shared on this show, please email us at info at limitlessmindset.com so we can mention them in the show notes or provide a backlink. We want to give credit where credit is due. As a listener to the Limitless Mindset Podcast, we hope you have and practice 
common sense. However, since some of the content covered in this show deals with subjects of a health, legal, or business nature, this show is for entertainment purposes. If you need recommendations of doctors, nutritionists, or attorneys to consult before making decisions that may have health or legal repercussions, please email us at info at limitlessmindset.com.